Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. Today, the husband and wife team of Amanda and Jeremy Schumann join me. They recently kickstarted the Covaxian Codex. They share their struggles from going from concept to fulfillment and their plans for the future. It's early Saturday morning and I need to get this podcast out. Sisters and brothers, it is time to get rambling. Hello, Jeremy and Amanda. Hello. Hi. So how are you doing? It's rather snowy and cold here. How is it uh, where you are at this time? Well, it's it's definitely cold. It snowed a few days ago, but uh, it warmed up just enough for that to clear. Now we're back to cold with no snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Un- it's, uninteresting it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, that badge for you where you're at. Is it uh, is it pretty windy out that way? Uh, not at the moment. I was just outside a few minutes ago, and it was pretty calm. But uh, yesterday was very windy. And earlier today, we had some pretty strong gusts. Yeah, again, those those plain states, uh, it can be it can be pretty pretty brutal sometimes. So mm-hmm. you two are uh, just, from my understand, just fulfilled the. See if I can pronounce it right. The Corvaxian Codex. Yes, yes. Uh, my zine for Dungeon Crawl Classics. Uh, all the packages went out this week, and I'm starting posts online on discord and twitter people yeah it's pretty exciting so uh what what so what was the process for for creating something to to uh to actually uh kickstart and publish that's a funny story (laughs) well um i was watching the two maleficent movies with my wife and kids character yeah yeah i don't think the mic's picking you up fully i don't know if you need to be closer to the mic or that's right that's i I was uh i was watching the maleficent movies with uh, my wife and kids one day and about part way through one of them uh, i I turned to amanda and said you know Ival would make a really cool character in the game yeah you should write that up okay so i made a few notes and set it aside and then kind of forgot about it. And then in May, I saw an announcement for the uh, OSR uh, jam coming up uh, on itch in June. And I thought, well, I don't know. I uh, I write stuff all the time. I've never put anything out there. Maybe I'll do something for that. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And then I was at work one day and I remembered that previous idea and I thought, I wonder if I could write that up in time. So I spent the next uh, couple of days putting it together, reached out to Phil Stone, uh, who's an artist I I admire. I have quite a lot of books that feature his art. Uh, ask if he'd be willing to contribute some pieces for me. And uh, sat down and wrote it all up. Amanda had a little bit of experience doing uh, some some minor layout projects but never a book before and she wanted to try it oh okay give it a go and 
she put the whole thing together and, uh, and made it look uh, nice. And I sent it off to Goodman Games for approval so I could put that compatible with DCC logo on the front. And uh, they came back within a couple of days with, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, approved. Go ahead and use the logo. And if you ever decide to do a print run, uh, we want 30 copies. Okay. <laughs> I I thought this would be a neat little thing that you know some people might like, some people might not, but now Goodman Games wants copies. Maybe uh, I should take this a little more seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so when uh, the last Zine Quest came around, uh, well, let's uh, let's do a Kickstarter and uh, see if we can do a print run. So so Mandy, you're the one that did the uh, the layout and uh it's kind of it's unusual to see not everybody has a, a has a team but also a husband wife team that's really uh, quite an amazing thing really yeah i actually i did the whole layout in canva i don't know if you're familiar with it no so i i use canva to make labels for soap making i i make soaps so for my labels and designs for that i was using canva to make my artsy labels well i was just like you know i've done some stuff here you know can i do a book i'm like this is all i have available let's see if i can give it a go and i was already pretty proficient about you know adding stuff and using different fonts and you know doing layouts for my you know teeny tiny little soap labels so i was like all right well i'll give it a go and sitting down once he had all the content written and all the art took me about what, four hours in an evening? Yeah. About four hours for us to uh, have the layout done. And then three days of constantly second-guessing it. Yeah, because I like to do that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm absolutely, I, I think uh, if ever is a, a, a statement that um, you don't need expensive software, you can just do with what's on hand. Uh, you proved it with Canva. Yeah, yeah, I really did. Um, and that was actually, we had a little bit of a, an issue when it came to the, the actual printing process. We um, we went through, well, Mixum, mm -hmm. is that who we went through? Yeah. Um, and I was having issues because I didn't account for the bleed. Because again, my right. first time doing a layout right. for a book. And so I had to call them because he was working so much and he was gone during their business hours. And so finally got a hold of somebody and I was trying to explain the fact that I was having issues because I did it in Canva and the guy's like wait you did this in Canva and I'm like yeah I did this in Canva and so like it was this really really awesome phone call and like he's like I've never heard of anybody being able to accomplish something that looks like this in Canva that's really awesome it was a huge boost to my confidence it, well so the, the uh, question yeah I mean, and I've never heard of it, but I, it is interesting that, you know, a lot of people, you know, think that they need this or they need that. But uh, really, it's all the tools are really at hand. You just just got to be able to have the, the eye to see that they're available and use them. Yeah, most definitely. And Canva actually has a free version. So you can do some stuff on free. So you don't even need to pay anything for it if you don't want, you know, like the special fonts and everything else. So, yeah, you can do it for, for on the cheap. 
So now, did you also make some Corvaxian soap? Okay, so I have not made any soap related to any of the stuff he's written. We talked about that for <laughs> his next project. We talked about it. <laughs> yeah, she likes the idea of it, but is also terrified that other people are going to like the idea of it, and there's suddenly going to be thousands of the bars that she has to make. Yeah, I think that's that's the only like overwhelming part about it is if you know people really really want it that's that's an awful lot of work for me to do in my kitchen <laughs> well what you do is if you do it for a kickstarter um or at least if you use backer kit uh with backer kit you can you can uh limit the number of an add-on yeah we talked about that that is something we did talk about like do like you know a limited run and then that's all i make or yeah, or the limited run or could be uh like the first day people who back the first day get a bar of soap. Not a bad idea. We'll have to, to go and smell some of my scents in there and figure out one for, for the next project. And <laughs> yeah, because really what I, what I understand, um, which isn't a lot, but uh what I do understand is that I that um at least what I think I understand. Is that Kickstarter's algorithm? Uh, if if you do really well your first day, it really juices the algorithm, mm -hmm. and so that's why a yeah. lot of people offer those early bird specials. Is if it if it's got a strong start, then it will will get pushed more to the front by by Kickstarter. Yeah, and this one, the Corvaxian, was funded in what like forty less than forty eight. No, how quick was it? I don't remember. It was a lot going on at that time yeah it wasn't very long though it didn't take very many days i don't think because you only put it on for 15 days so well you know that's that's the hard part knowing how much time i think for what you did i think uh that's probably sufficient um i i did a month for uh gary's appendix and that was the right amount of time because i had people trickling in the whole time and I did uh, a month for Fane of the Fly God. And uh, it just, uh, I had like a full week of just nothing. <laughs> just desert. Of, of mm. just watching the, the crops wither and die in the field is what it felt like. Uh, <laughs> so there, probably three weeks would have been perfect. Uh, so it's it's hard to know until you do it. But, uh, yeah. but I think, yeah. I don't think, uh, especially first time out, I don't, because it, it's, I guess the question, I don't have a question, but I guess, so it's a, it's a big leap to go to Kickstarter, like mentally, emotionally. I mean, it's really quite a, a, a step from going, I have an idea to, I'm really willing to put this out there for, for people to, to consume and, and, um, and to even just judge and weigh and, and be part of, uh, of, of the, of the community, uh, so, I mean, that's just not many people are willing to do that. So, but it sounds like you guys kind of were off and on about this, but you finally made the, made the jump. So what was kind of, but once you made the decision, was it easier or did it, was it still hard once you made that decision to go forward? Uh, <laughs> well, parts of it were very easy and parts of it were incredibly nerve wracking. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, making the decision to, do the kickstarter uh 
I think I came to that uh, pretty easily. I've got uh, a number of people who were really excited about the, the product from the original digital launch, uh, and then you know, Goodman Games saying that they wanted to carry copies uh, was a pretty huge confidence booster there. But once I decided to do it, then finding out all the little things that you need to include to have a good Kickstarter, uh, that that's where it got a little more complicated uh, for me. You mean like making a video? Yeah, you need to have a video, and you need to have this, and you need to have that. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. And didn't Mike... Uh, well, Mike did your video for you, right? Yeah, Mike yeah. from Two Old Guys Games, uh, my uh, my first and currently only supporter on Patreon. Uh, <laughs> he uh, <laughs> he was <laughs> he was the one to point out that you know it, it's important to have a uh, a good video. Like uh, a lot of people won't even look at your Kickstarter if there's no video. Uh, okay, it's, but it's really easy. I did all the ones for the Two Old Guys uh, Kickstarters. Like, can, can you help me? <laughs> He said, "Yeah, sure. Uh, what do you want in it? I'll take care of this." So yeah, he did the whole thing for me, and, uh, and that was really great. And then, uh, of course, you know, I needed some kind of sound with the videos, so I reached out to Loot the Body and said, "Hey, can uh, can I use uh, uh, part of one of your tracks background?" And they're like, "Yeah, just uh, you know, if you if you own it, uh, give credit and." And you can use it. All right. So I got uh, got a video put together thanks to the support of a couple of really great people. And that was helpful. But yeah, I was, uh, was real nervous about how I was going to make that happen. And then through the run of the Kickstarter, like every day I went back and forth between, you know, did, did I set the bar too low? Did I set the bar too high? Am I going to make it? Should I do this? Should I do that? Uh, are stretch goals a good idea? Uh, am I, uh, am I going to screw myself over if I offer them? What, uh, what's going to happen? It's uh, quite the, the roller coaster because oh, yeah. I'd never done it before. Backed a lot of Kickstarters, but I'd never been on, on this side of the project. It was, uh, yeah, it definitely is a, it is hard because it's, you don't think about those before you go in all those decisions, what you should and shouldn't do price points, you know, stretch goals. But I think for me, it's just better just to keep it fairly simple and straightforward until you get some, <laughs> I haven't got to that point yet, but until you get some, some more kickstarts under your belt, it's, uh, it's best just to keep it straightforward. I think. Uh, he was really funny because like after the Kickstarter was like, it was fully funded and we we started like running into you know little problems here and there like you know every time we uploaded the the layout to you know the publisher it was it was off because of the bleed issue right yeah. and like little things just here and there he, he he sat there and he told me he's like i don't think i'm he's like i think i'm just gonna write you just do the kickstarter stuff i'm just gonna write <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like yeah <laughs> Because it was just a headache for him. I mean, he was working a full time job at the time too, so it was it was it was a lot. Yeah. Well, I I do know. I mean, there's a reason why you know being partners. There's a reason why you two are together. <laughs> With me and my <laughs> wife, it's definitely a whenever it comes to like 
assembling things, I I just hand her the instructions. <laughs> my my <laughs> ability to follow instructions are great. And I can plow through a lot of things, but uh, so uh, I think I think it, it definitely goes to show that. And that's what's hard about, you know, doing it by yourself is not very many people are good at everything. And uh, it's there's a lot of different skill sets and, and it takes to get through a Kickstarter um, from I mean, or just, even just creating the book. I mean, that takes a lot of skill sets. It does. It does. It does. And, you know, the, the mix of my, I mean, the problem I had a, my first time I did it is so the, the, so I'm, I'm just, because uh, I am who I am uh, is I was going to do a, I was going to do a zine, had a vision for a zine. Uh, but I kept writing and writing and writing and writing, and writing, and writing, a point where it's like, Ooh, it's too big for a zine. <laughs> so I was like, well, what do I do now? Because I want to do it for Zine Quest. Like, well, I know I'll make a set of three zines. I'll just split it into three places because two wouldn't work. I'll I'll do it in three. And um, and then when I went to mix them, I would upload and they would find an error. And then it would kick back and I had to fix it in three different zines at the same time because I was usually making the same mistake in all three of them. And that uploaded again and then it would fault for something else and then I had three separate zines I had to go through to find those errors. It's like, so you were having the same issues we were having yeah. but times three. Yeah, and I will say that every every problem that you went through is the same problem that everybody goes through. Uh, same stresses. This is the same, you know, it's the same. Yeah, it's 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 you're part of the inner circle now. You've you've gone through the the trial of fire <laughs> and of blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with with his with his next one, it's it's even more complicated. Like for this household, because I mean, with for vaccine codex, he went for uh, went to Phil for the art, but for the Troika interdimensional mega mall, uh, um, I decided that I was going to teach myself how to draw, and so now I'm doing all the art for the entire book. Very so, cool. Yeah, I've been yeah. I've been seeing you posting about the mall. I think there's a point where I was I was confused because it was a virtual mall you're talking about, and I thought you're you're you guys were getting space in the actual mall. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, it's the it's the book that he's worked on, and it's pretty much done. Yeah, I have uh, I have a little bit of uh, edits I need to make, but. The waiting on uh, her to finish up the art put the layout together get it out the world yeah i know i'm being slow about the art <laughs> <laughs> that's the hard part that is you know it's 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 uh it's not easy um but i'll tell you what is to to have a second kickstarter on the heel so quickly that's that's uh, not bad so um well, he he has plans for possibly doing six so he's got most of the content for a lot of them already written he writes ridiculously fast i am not even i'm not kidding like for vaccine codex from start to finish when he started writing it to when i was done with the layout was nine days so he he writes real quick he's very seamless with his writing it doesn't need much editing when you get to that point and it's 
it's really easy to just kind of like copy paste his stuff and you know so yeah he, he really is a great writer well great it's it's great to uh to be able to to work those things out i'm not a fast writer and so my only way is either i plow through things slowly or i try and find people to do some writing for me because this is like <laughs> it's painful at least it's for me yeah i mean finding somebody to help you write too if they don't have the same vision or concept then you know it can get a little bit to be you know a headache it's one of the reasons why i offered to do the art for him for the Troika Mega Mall because I, I I understood what he was conceptually going for and having somebody right here, right next to you, drawing for something that you can see in your head. And, you know, we've been married for a while. So it's like, you know, I know what he's referring to, but, you know, hiring an artist out might not understand that. And finding a writer that can write like you or give you the concepts that you need, that's going to be pretty difficult. Yeah, it's uh well that what you end up having to do um is you have to really structure what it is you want and how you want it. So, you know, for me, maybe uh less so for you, Jeremy, but sometimes I'm writing a thing and I really don't know what I think I know what it needs to be, but I have to write through it to understand really what it is. And it may change as I'm writing. Oh, absolutely. That it, happens with pretty much everything. But once I do a few of those, hopefully then I have the formula down and then I can. So what's been fortunate for, uh, what's kind of helpful is I already have a couple of zines done or we'll call them zines. Yeah, then that I'm able to, even though they're different subjects and different directions, they are kind of laid out and thought out and communicated a certain way where at least I now have a, a body of work that I can kind of present to people to understand what I'm going for. And that does help, but it definitely forces me to have to think about communicating. And even art, it's the other one, trying to communicate to an artist what you want. It's um, rather than just saying, hey, just fill the spot. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So, so there you have your wife read and kind of get some ideas. You may be having some ideas and you, you going back and forth really, I'm sure helps that whole process. Yeah, that was very helpful with working through the interdimensional mega ball. Uh, I had most of it already written before she decided she wanted to do the art. But uh, from the point that she made that decision, she of course had already uh, read through and heard me talk about the stuff that we did write. And, uh, then we started going back and forth on, you know, well, I should write this because she has an idea for that piece of art. Or, you know, uh, I'm planning on writing about this, so uh, so start thinking towards this other thing. And being able to <clears throat> bounce back and forth uh, between writer and artist uh, in the moment as things were being created, that was, uh, that was really neat to experience. Very different from the last project where I had everything written and said uh, help help i need art <laughs> <laughs> yeah i do find it, and i do think it is better i i think you know we can create things you know in a vacuum or to our own sensibilities but it, it seems like it definitely helps when you have 
another person that you are bouncing things back and forth with. Um, and that can be pretty, pretty insightful. You know, you can, you know, you, you, you give descriptions, you know, if you, especially if you have to like describe what you want for the artwork, they get the artwork and then, then you may, the artwork may come back different than really what you imagined, but then you see what, what the artist looks at and how they interpret it. Then you're like, well, maybe I'll go back and change what I did to match what they did because it's very interesting or maybe the ideas for something else. Um, and I, I know for, uh, for uh, uh, Journey of the Madlands, the, the, um, some of the art didn't really kind of fit the what I was describing, but I thought it's okay because it could just be an unreliable narrative. Like, you know, the artwork could just be, you know, you ever see those illustrations from, um, I think they're by Europeans uh, of Africa, where they would draw the animals based on descriptions that people gave to them? Oh, yeah. So, like, the rhinoceros doesn't look like a rhinoceros. It looks like something else. But it's just like, that's okay. It's, it's, the art can, doesn't always have to be perfect. And, and it can just be kind of cool and inspiring in and of itself. Yeah, I have a hard time with the not perfect thing. Oh. <laughs> I, I, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why it's taking me so long. I have spent hours upon hours uh, drawing this one piece that's still not done because I, I'm, I'm putting in way too much detail. I know that, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a perfectionist, so it does take me a little bit longer. So what are you using for for the art? Are you hand drawing this or are you using like Procreate or what are you using? So I I am hand drawing characters and then I'm taking pictures of them and then I'm drawing over them again in Procreate. Um, some of the stuff is done specifically in Procreate because I tried free hand drawing perspectives and I just can't. So I just gave up. I'm like, let's just do this digitally so I have a perspective grid. It'll make it a whole lot easier. Because um, getting your grid set up is the hardest part about perspective drawing. Um, so yeah, the internal parts of the mall, I, I definitely needed to move to digital. And uh, yeah, Procreate's been a great tool. So that's what I'm using so far. It's it's probably one of the, for the price point, for what it does, it's, it's absolutely probably one of the best values uh, ever <laughs> of anything oh yeah yeah and if you know we have more than one artist in the house so i just put it on my family sharing so the other ipads in the house they can also use it we don't have to spend you know the money over and over again so you know 10 bucks for procreate one time and multiple artists in this house are able to use it well that's cool yeah so so you're planning six kickstarters for 2023 well, that was uh, when she asked me how many I thought I'd do next year. That was my initial estimate. Um, the next two are pretty set in stone. The Interdimensional Mega Mall, which is uh, mostly complete. And then uh, Corvaxian Codex 2, which uh, the the out is complete. And I started writing on it. But I I'm including several new spells and spells for dungeon crawl classics are rather involved and i have spent most of my time working on that so it's difficult to say 
what percentage complete uh, that project is because uh, I've mostly been working on the spells. But once I get through the spells section, the rest of it will come together very quickly. So those two for sure. And then I have uh, several other projects that I started on that I want to do some uh, some adventures uh, for DCC. Uh, that's something that I'm going to do for uh, Old School Essentials. And then I have a few things that are, are still just in the, the idea phase. Some concepts for what I think would be really fun settings for a role-playing game. And I've been playing around with them to, to polish the idea and then decide, is there an existing system that I'm familiar with and comfortable enough with that I can write this for that, or do I need to write my own system? So we'll see what happens with those. But yeah, I've got a bunch of stuff in the works. Uh, my estimate based on my availability and how quickly I can write is that I'll probably do six in 2023. But two of them are already set to, to launch. The other four, I guess we'll see how. We say set to launch. You mean like like layouts mostly been done or, or are you just talking about the writing? Portion? Uh, no, the uh, the writing is largely done and, uh, and we have uh, an estimated timeline. I, I want to do Corvaxian Codex 2 in February because uh, I think it makes sense to follow up a zine quest zine, uh, the part two, do it in the next zine quest. So I'll do that one in February. And then uh, depending on how things go through the rest of the year, either January or March, so either right before or right after that, do the interdimensional mega mall. So the interdimensional mega mall is... Is what's the the pitch for that? Well, uh, I had been talking to one of my boys about Troika for a while because he he likes the concepts of role playing games and he's very creative. Prior to sitting down at the table, and then he kind of loses interest five minutes into actually playing because as soon as he has to wait his turn, roll dice, things like that is his interest starts to wane. So I was pitching Troika to him as something that uh, that might be a little more his speed, and he decided he wanted to play. So we sat down with books one day, it was just the two of us at home, and uh, and he ended up picking a background out of the uh, Academies of the Arcane. And, and I can't remember the name of it. You, basically, you're, you're playing a blob or an ooze or uh, and I said, okay, well, you start writing stuff down and uh, and I'll come up with an idea. And then something popped into my head and I thought, well, okay, this will be fun. He, he's always liked the Harry Potter films and, uh, and, and books. And before Harry could go to Hogwarts, he had to go shopping for some supplies. Okay, well, why don't I do a silly... Uh, troika version of a shopping list before you go to wizard school. 
So I started writing down all kinds of uh, nonsense on a piece of paper. And as I was writing it down, I thought, there's, there's got to be some way for somebody to actually find this. And it popped into my head. I know. What if there was an interdimensional mega mall that it doesn't matter where you uh, are from or where you're, you're headed to, what it is you want, what kind of weird thing from some other location might be, you can find it in this mall. And so I started jotting ideas down for an interdimensional mega mall and decided that it, it exists in the space between dimensions so that it's touching every place simultaneously and yet it's its own thing, which then led me to think it, it has to be infinite in size. It, it stretches on and on forever. So I started working this up and I, I ended up with essentially that, uh, an extra dimensional space that uh, exists between all other dimensions. And it's this, this uh, infinite shopping complex that is so massive and uh, so widespread. It's very easy to get lost there. And people have over time and met other lost shoppers and started families and, uh, uh, settled down in the mall and opened their own shops and uh, so I, I don't have it hammered down yet a a, a quick soundbite pitch for it but yeah. that's uh, that's essentially it so you've got backgrounds like uh, uh, multi-generational shopkeeper and uh, uh, lost shopper and, you know, it's kind of like Tom Hanks I didn't see the movie but where he was uh played a guy that based on real life story where a guy was from a country that was at war or whatever. And then he was in the airport and all of a sudden he couldn't go home, but he couldn't leave the airport either. And so Isn't he was stuck a, in it. Is yeah, it the, the terminal? terminal? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so um, imagine that, but in uh, a mall of infinite size and yeah. you're not the only one that's, uh, that's trapped there. Yeah. That's, so. that's pretty wild. And so yeah. that's that's using Troikia. Yeah. So Amanda, are you doing this with the? Are you are you um, bumping up in your in your software? Or are you using the same? Uh, and I forgot the name of it. This this soap label making. Oh, software. I am not. I am not using Canva for this. This book's going to be a lot bigger. There is no <laughs> way I'm going to spend that much time in Canva. And that was just, yeah, that was ridiculous. I, I'm surprised I even actually was able to do it. Um, it, it really, it, it, it really is ridiculous <laughs> that I was able to do it, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to be moving to a different software program. So, so, what, you, so um, what are you, what are you planning on doing using next? Do you think? Well, um, I've talked to a lot of different people and everybody swears by affinity. So I'm going to be uh, buying that next month. Yeah, and I I use that. It's also a bit of a learning curve, which isn't bad, but um, but that that works. So does even um, you know Microsoft Word or or even um, or even uh, Pages from Apple. Um, but uh, yeah, Affinity is definitely a really good program. But it's a different way of thinking, though. Um, but uh, but I think if you learn I'm it, you're you're good to go. Yeah, I'm pretty good with learning new software too. So it's kind of one of my fortes. So I, I I'm pretty I'm pretty confident I can learn it pretty quick. Well, since you're using Procreate, I'm sure you're using layers in Procreate. So that's a that's Oh yeah. 
So that's kind of one of the things that I think a lot of people have problems wrapping their heads around. But it's pretty much, if you understand layers, that's pretty much what you're dealing with. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm kind of excited now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fact, uh, if, if Procreate just, uh, they just released 2.0 and they're offering 40% off. And if you spend $100, they've got it set up where you, you get all three suites and uh, you also get for the iPad as well. That's right. You were telling me about they had a sale on. Mm-hmm. You were just talking about what last night? Yeah. Yeah, I remember you saying something about it. Yeah, yeah so if, if you're going to buy in, uh, this is a time to buy in. All right. If you're want, I mean, it's a hundred bucks and it's, I, I think um, it'll cover like say fo- uh, the, the photo editing, the, um, the, 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 um, the desktop publishing, and then also the, the vector graphics as well as all three of those for the iPad as well. So. Okay. That'll, that'll be hugely helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, even the old version still works. It's it, they don't, it, it's not a, it's kind of like procreate. It's not a subscription model. But I think every few years they'll just they'll do a big, you know, version change and then charge for that. But um, now that'll be that'll be good. So, um, so it's it's quite a launch. So it sounds like you're not necessarily sticking to one system, kind of like me. You're, you're jumping around a bit, trying different things. Well, I I enjoy playing multiple systems, um, and while at the moment Dungeon Crawl Classic gets more of my gaming attention than than other systems uh i don't know when uh, when i first started gaming i was uh, i was very m- mono system uh, uh for each genre i had one way i played fantasy one way that i played horror uh that was fun for a little while until i until i got more experience got comfortable with gaming but the the more the more systems I, I i read the more i wow this one's really good at this particular thing that one's really good at that particular thing sometimes you can mash them together but sometimes you can't and uh, so i like to i like to experiment with systems i like to read systems uh i'll read pretty much any role-playing book you uh, uh you hand to me even if i never get around to playing it i'll at least read it i'll i'll absorb the, the approach and the right. thought process and uh, I don't know, one of these days I think it might be fun to uh, to write my own gaming system but that's that's very ambitious and not necessarily something I will ultimately do but you know, for the time being yeah writing writing content for the system that that I think makes the most sense for the thing I want to present is the way to go. I, I don't want to shoehorn everything into a single system. No, or it can make no. more sense for the for the mega. Model. And I think also so, if you're wanting to, um, you know, another opportunity to just design your own system is there's a number of games that have an OGL, and you can just kind of take what's already existing and just hack it a bit. Right. And I've uh, I've collected quite a few uh, of the smaller games like that, PDFs on uh, on itch, and you know, backed some Kickstarters. And 
print on demand and that sort of thing. I, I'm just constantly consuming gaming material, trying to see what, uh, what different approaches are out there, what works, what doesn't work. And when he says constantly, he literally means constantly. I mean, besides <laughs> sleeping, it, it's it's a constant thing. I mean, we will we will be sitting there watching TV. Currently, it's Young Sheldon because we've already gone through all the Big Bang. Um, but we're we're watching Young Sheldon, and he's got his phone, and he's reading a PDF of a game book. That that is that is the entirety of his evenings. Yeah, uh, last night I was reading. Uh, uh... My my newest PDF that uh, was released from a Kickstarter back a little while back, uh, Swords and Chaos, which is uh, a, a sword and sorcery game uh, largely uh, inspired by the Castles and Crusades rules, uses the Siege Engine oh, okay. as a foundation, but also draws from uh, uh, old school D&D, AD&D, uh, DCC, uh, and even one or two elements from uh, 5th edition uh, D&D all cobbled together in order to get the, the feel that the the author wanted. And I think that's one of the things I really like about that is that he, uh, he was able to pull from a lot of different systems and put them all together in a way that uh, that doesn't feel like uh, like a third grade uh, cut and paste project, right? Sometimes right. when systems get cobbled together, it's kind of jarring. This one is very smooth. You see, you see the influences if you're familiar with the influences, but it doesn't feel like a like a hatchet job or force. Yeah. And yeah, if I if I ever write my own system, I I know at this point. It's it's basically impossible to write something that's wholly unique. So I will be drawing from influences from all over the place. But the the more I consume, the the better I will be able to hopefully do what uh, Swords and Chaos has done and present something that that feels like a complete intentional system, despite the fact that it's uh, cobbled together from half a dozen sources. Yeah, it was, I've, I've not really been to many of those. They have like these fusion restaurants. So they'll take like two different like ethnic groups and put them together, uh, food groups and then, or food types. And then, but it's, you know, supposed to be really good, but it's, you know, maybe Mexican mixed with Indian food or, you know, Japanese cuisine mixed with Mediterranean. They'll, they'll do this fusion of creating something new out of, you know, two things that don't seem to be immediately, um, you know, congruent, but, but no, I, I, there is fusion RPG. No, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There actually was a fusion years ago, but I spelled it with a Z. It didn't do so well. Um, but oh. <laughs> it, uh, but anyway, um, so man, are you in on these, uh, these, uh, RPG shenanigans? Well, it dep depends on what part. Like, the reading of the books. Or playing the games. I would, okay, I yeah, I play. And I run a couple of games. Um, I ran one game for Road Crew for DCC. 
um, on a Discord server, and it didn't wow. go too, it didn't go too terribly bad. But um, I haven't read any of the books, <laughs> so I literally just took the module and ran with it. So it didn't, it didn't, it, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> she ran the uh, the R Witch Grinder funnel uh, by uh, Daniel Bishop. Yep. in uh, one of the issues of uh, the crawl fanzine for TCC. Yes, and I absolutely loved it. it. It's it's a great one. If you haven't read it, you should you should read it or play it. Okay, and but the PDF is free. But yeah, no, and I um I I used my family as test dummies to run it. Um, and then I was looking at it because I didn't read it before I ran it the first time. Like I didn't even look at it. <laughs> and so I'm I'm coming up to a spot and I'm like experiencing it with all these players and I'm like I don't even know how to describe this without just telling them what this is and I'm like oh no so I'm like trying to describe it and like I've never run a game before and so I'm sitting there like oh, I don't even know I don't, I don't even know I don't even know what I'm doing so yeah I had to uh, tell him after the fact what I was trying to describe and he's like oh there's lots of ways you can do that and he's like giving me some ideas i'm like okay now when i run this for people on discord tomorrow then i've got some more ideas on how i can do that but yeah um i play i do not read books um just because there's way too many to choose from and um i don't know where to start um he he has a, a pretty decent library of books here um <laughs> and he's getting a whole bunch more business um but and a lot of kickstarters are fulfilling right now yeah yeah a lot of kickstarters that were back a while ago are are all trickling in so but yeah it's uh i'm i'm in on some of the shenanigans like i i have been toying around with the idea of myself writing something but again i i i'm sure you've noticed on on twitter because you've been like Oh no, don't do that. Yeah. So I know you've noticed, but um I don't have very much I guess faith in my abilities to do really anything. I second guess everything I do that's creative. So I'm kind of like I don't really know if I even want to attempt to write. Maybe I'll just give him the ideas and have him write it. <laughs> but, well, I'll, I'll, there's a thought. There's a there's a, a an author from a previous generation is uh, G.K. Chesterton. And he said, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. Um, and uh, he talks about the amateur. Yeah, where amateur comes from, you know, somebody doing it out of love. And so uh, amateur projects are really the purest projects. They're done with the heart. So I would say that, uh, that, that, that um, it is worthwhile. I, I think if there's any idea that you want to do something, um, even if it doesn't come out great, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do have a semi sort of layout, semi sort of cohesive idea. I just well, like uh, <laughs> like we both talked about with our experiences, uh, Kickstarter, you and me, uh, going from I have an idea to I'm ready to put it out in the world is a is a big scary leap, and He's basically standing at the precipice, not quite ready to take the lead. That's, that's yes. I mean, with the, with Corvaxian Codex, 
I was not terrified that it would fail because his writing. Because I knew his writing was good. I literally was terrified the entire time that people would hate, hate the layout. I really, really thought that I was just going to screw it all up for him. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing, too, is yeah, what I found is that, uh, and I think what you did with the Corvaxian uh, Codex is you start out with a, a fairly uh, reasonable scope. In that, like the the number of pages and what you did, you didn't you didn't try and, you know, you know, do a heartbreaker, you know, uh, RPG system, you know, that's three hundred pages, and you know, I mean, you, you, and I think that's kind of the key, is for me, what I started with is I just started, when I started uh, doing book, I started doing booklets, I just started taking old. So I was was disenchanted with the way RPGs uh, information was laid out, and so then I would copy and paste from from the book, and I'd lay it out in a way that I wanted to see it. And if I wanted to share to players, I could make little booklets. And so then it just incrementally everything I did was incremental, and then and then and that's kind of where I think it's it works out best where you're not necessarily just jumping into something crazy. It seems like everything you guys are doing so far, at least with with the 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 dual uh, the dynamic dynamic duel that you have going on here is it is sort of incremental and you're 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 bumping it up as you go and it's it's mm -hmm. not unreasonable so I guess my point is is sometimes just you start out with something you got an idea you're not sure just start out small and do it and you learn from it and and you'll just grow from there yeah he's been he's been trying to to poke and prod at me for writing just in general not necessarily game related stuff but um what was it a little over a year ago we decided to start doing writing prompts where you take a writing prompt and you spend 15 minutes and you just do a stream of consciousness based off your prompt and we started doing those as part of a homeschooling tool for my daughter and i did not realize i could write so that was a little bit nerve wracking when he's like, oh, this is really good. You should you should you should do something with this. And I'm like, we're just supposed to do stream of consciousness for 15 seconds, 15 minutes and then just be done. And so a couple of them I did a little bit with. But yeah, he's been like, you should get back to writing. You should get back to writing. So he he tries to to poke that writing bear and hopefully I will write something. Well, you know, the other part of us being teams. We got to encourage not just the division of labor, but it's also a source of encouragement for the other one. <clears throat> yeah. No, it is important. And I think for me, as lot, there's a lot of writing that I did just because I, I have to, if I want something done. So sometimes putting something out there as a goal, like I'm going to do a thing and kind of set a date. Um, and, and, not necessarily for Kickstarter. I mean, for my myself, Kickstarter, I want things written before I before I go to Kickstarter. But but in general, I think okay, I want to put something up for Kickstarter in June. If I can have it in June, I need to have it written by X. I know that having a purpose to write actually motivates me to write. Yeah, I I had avoided Kickstarter for a long time because when I first heard about it, all, all I was hearing about was that 
bad stories from people about how they how they backed this thing and they never got it throughout all this money. I I don't want to have to But then uh, a couple of years ago, there were a couple of projects that were really kind of pulling at me and, and her. And so I, uh, well, all right, I'll I'll test the waters. So I backed some stuff and had had a good experience with it. Isn't one uh, of those, didn't it just get delivered? Because they had so many delays with printing. Yeah, the uh, Herbalist Primer. Yeah, the Herbalist Primer. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I didn't I didn't get that. Is it that, that beautiful book from um, Exalted Funeral? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty incredible. If you if you like that kind of stuff, it'd be worth adding to your collection. Uh, but what I found was that the the folks that went to Kickstarter with an idea. Some of those projects I'm still waiting on. And you'll hear nothing for months and then it'll be a oh well, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't uh, I didn't know that this was gonna happen and that was gonna happen and uh, so now I'm behind, we gotta push it back. Stuff was supposed to have been fulfilled last May. It's November. Haven't heard from you in two months. And you're not done writing yet. Why did you go to Kickstarter? But the <laughs> ones, uh, you know, the the ones that had uh, a finished project and they went to Kickstarter to fund the the production of the thing they had written. No problem at all. I I have no qualms, no reservations, no worries whatsoever. If Eric Bloat puts a Kickstarter out there, I back it. Why? Because right. right. I. I know it's going to be a good product. There might be spelling errors from time to time, but it's going to be a good product. It, it's going to fulfill on time or early. No trouble at all. And, and I'm going to enjoy it. You know, when uh, uh, when Philip Reed puts something out there, the only thing that uh, uh, causes pause for me is that he literally has a Kickstarter up every week. And sometimes I simply can't <laughs> afford to back everything that man produces. But uh, there's only been one thing that I backed from him where there were any delays, and it wasn't his fault. The, the work was done. He sent it off to the printer, and the printer dropped the ball like four times. And then the, the uh, shipping company dropped the ball a couple of times. But it wasn't on him. He, he was already done. He was ready to go. It was stuff outside of his control. So there's certain people, they put something out there. I have, I have no reservations about backing their material because I know they've already finished. They're just looking for the money to, to be able to produce it. Great. Here's the money. Produce it. Send me my copy. Everybody can be happy. But having had some of those experiences, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm never going to go to Kickstarter with an idea. I'm going to go to Kickstarter either with a completely finished project or a project that's really only missing one or two things. Like, well, my my artist was supposed to have a piece back to me by today. They don't have it yet, but uh, this Kickstarter is going to run 30 days. I can go ahead and launch. That's fine. If I, if I run into a snag with that, I've got plenty of time between the end of the Kickstarter and uh, fulfillment to 
source another arc. But yeah, the the idea of uh, of asking people to fund something that you haven't actually put any work into is that's that's not something that I could ever do. So I appreciate guys like you that go to Kickstarter when you're ready to produce and that's that's who i want to be at all times yeah i mean for me there's two reasons one it's the business side of things it's like i know people are more likely to to back my work if it's especially if i can already have a proof copy in hand um not always possible but but the second thing is i don't want the pressure of of uh pushing something out before it's ready just because you know i got backers I, i'm delayed so it's like because you could i don't want to get a position where i start cheating the writing mm-hmm. yeah and that's you know the other stuff i can, you can kind of wiggle around with but the writing it's just like you know you hate to shortchange the writing just to get something out yeah yeah and I'm sure you can agree. I'd much rather push back my uh, Kickstarter launch date than push back my fulfillment. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I usually put my fulfillment dates well past where I believe they're, oh, I'm going to fulfill. <laughs> I'll well, put I out months uh, my, past when I think I'll fulfill. I set my fulfillment date for December, anticipating that if there were no problems whatsoever. I'd actually fulfill in October. Well, I ended up fulfilling in the middle of November. So halfway between what I hoped for and what I thought was worst case scenario. So not too bad. Yeah, the biggest hang up with the fulfillment was actually the pogs. No <laughs> joke. The pogs were the things that hung up the whole process because it just, oh, it was, it was a headache. When you're so, dealing with a small company and they go on vacation and don't tell you until uh, after you started dialogue, yeah. So because I see the pogs, uh, you know, listed in, on the Twitter, um, so those just cut out of like real thick paper stock. No, um, well, sort of. Did you ever collect pogs uh, in the '90s? No, I'm or I'm just that old. Them at the drugstore. Yeah, no, okay. the pogs. The, the I'm too old for pogs. <laughs> well, in in the '90s, every drugstore you went into had big barrels full of them as well. So even if you didn't collect them, uh, you you may have seen them. But yeah, yeah uh, I didn't understand. Yeah. I was I was already you know, kids get off my porch at that at that time too, <laughs> 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 or get out of my yard, I should say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so they're uh, they're these uh these round uh inserts uh to uh, uh a drink bottle cap you know that little uh, freshness insert inside uh, some bottle caps that, yeah. uh, that that help create the seal well that's that's kind of how it started and what and, Hawaii, uh, I believe kind of a orange bobber or something like that yeah and, and kids would uh, would take them and collect them and make a game out of them, and then it became you know a commercialized industry of making uh, uh, these these caps with uh, 
different images on them so that you can collect your favorites. Well, in uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics, if you're using the, the Lentmar rules, there's a, uh, a fleeting luck mechanic where you're, you're constantly uh, uh, gaining and losing luck. Yeah. And a number of people have made tokens using using clay poker chips as their model, uh, various tokens for uh, the exchange of luck, so that the the, the judge can you know, can toss you a chip, and when you spend it, you can send it back, and you know it's a more tactile experience. Well, I, I like the idea of that, but I also had uh, a few months before thought about using because I, I already was brainstorming the, the Mega Mall. Uh, I had thought about using Pogs as uh, as initiative tokens for the, the way that initiative works in Troika and and had come across this website to make custom Pogs for reasonable price. Uh, at least if you're buying lots of them. Right. Not so reasonable right. price if you're doing smaller. Uh, and so I had already been thinking about it for that. And then when I was running the Corvaxian Codex Kickstarter, uh, you know, I could do luck tokens as pogs. And while they won't be as uh, uh, as spiffy as, you know, play poker chips, they, they have a, a dual function because they're luck tokens that you can use in the, the game and they're pogs. For people who want to pogs, because I was seeing more and more on the internet that people were saying, man, I miss pogs, I miss pogs, I miss pogs. Something I hadn't heard anybody say in decades. Yeah. Uh, I thought, you know, I kind of miss my old pog collection too. Uh, well, this will be a, a, a neat way to provide something that people already like, which is the luck tokens, but in a format they don't already have, and it'll appeal to the the, the people who like the pogs and i can test out how interested people actually are before i invest in doing something for the interdimensional mega so that's kind of how that came to be and uh everybody who backed got uh, got a few of them in with their their kickstarter five in each one uh, but yeah. I ordered enough that I could do full set because uh, in the Corvaxian Codex, there's there's five different forms depending on your level that a Corvaxian can take. So they've got their, their humanoid form and then four others. And Phil Stone did the art for all of those. So I have five different pieces of art from him. And uh, I originally was not planning on doing this many different backgrounds but i asked amanda to to play with with backgrounds for those so that i could do uh, a run of pogs and she ended up with seven seven different backgrounds couldn't decide on on what to do and i was looking on the website and realized that they they sold pog tubes that would hold 40 and i thought well if we just do all five images is seven times one for each background that's 35 that leaves me enough room to put a, a custom slammer in the tube 
boom, Pollock sets. So <laughs> not only did uh, did the backers get those uh, for free, but I was in a position to to offer as a as an after Kickstarter uh, add-on option these Pog sets. Uh, Joseph Goodman liked the idea, so Goodman Games is going to carry them. Uh, a few other people asked for them, and so they went out and uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it does overall, but I, I thought it was a fun idea. Yeah. It, who knows? Maybe you'll start trending on Twitter because of that. Now that there's only five people on Twitter, <laughs> it should be pretty easy. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Brian from the Neon Lords of the Toxic Wasteland, uh, he, he ran his Kickstarter for the Total, Total Carnage uh, edition the new edition of his game uh, right around the same time. And uh, I had missed his, his original Kickstarter, so I didn't know he had done this. Uh, but he also is a fan of Pogs and had released a series of Pogs with the, his first Kickstarter and then was uh, was teasing the, the, the Pog thing for the second one. So I discover his Kickstarter around the same time that I'm announcing my pogs, and then I see he's got pogs and I'm getting excited about that. And I've got people on both sides saying, did you get the idea from him or did he get the idea from you or did you come up with them on your own? And we just remember the same kinds of stuff and happen to decide to do the same kind of thing all at once. Uh, so Yeah, it's kind of what calculus is like two people that invented calculus or something within a very short period of time. <laughs> But one is it's given attribution, but it's like a lot of things are just they're they're going to happen. It's just mm-hmm. it's just whatever the zeitgeist is creates it. It's like naming your children. I thought I named my children, but I realized society named my children because I thought, oh, these names are are pretty new. I had not heard really that many people using these names, and then ten years later, all the kids have those names. I'm like. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, what has happened here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> do I really make any decisions in life? Or is the zeitgeist forcing me along these, these directions to do these things? I don't know. I don't know if I have autonomy. I don't know. <laughs> well, like, uh, like Eric Bloat was saying to you when you had him on uh, for, uh, uh, Dark Places and Demogorgons about how he almost didn't uh, put the book out originally because saw somebody else was doing something similar and yeah. finally decided, yeah. you know what, we're we're going different directions even though we started in the same place. I, I'm finding that more and more. I get ideas for stuff and I start writing it and then you know, a week later there's a Kickstarter that's doing something very similar. Or I've written something, and then I encounter a book that was written years before that uses similar themes, and you know that the naming of children, like you said, and, and all kinds of stuff. You you start wondering sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Am, am yes. I in control, or or what's <laughs> happening here? But well, what we'll say too is because, um, like, one of my I don't remember if I mentioned the podcast or not uh, with Eric, but. One of the things I really, really love, one of the things in, in life that brings me joy is listening to covers of famous songs. And why I like hearing covers, I like hearing 
way different. I don't want to hear, you know, seven people sound like Johnny Cash singing, you know, Folsom County Blues or whatever, Folsom County Prison, whatever that is. I don't know. But Ring of Fire. But, but I sure do love hearing a bluegrass version. I sure love hearing a jazz version. I sure do love hearing whatever it is somebody comes and does a completely different slant on it. Because the thing is, you can mm-hmm. take the same thing, but it, it becomes something different and unique and really tied to individuals, musicians, when you start hearing people taking something, even though it's the same lyrics, the same, whatever the music is, is all generally the same, but yet it, it's so it's so different once it's it's interpreted through another person's lens. Yeah. So if we add two authors, doing the same thing collaboratively would that be a mashup done cover style you know that would be that would be interesting because i i so like when i do on photography i used to do a lot of photography and i would go with some friends and we just walk around crazy places and take pictures and we would sometimes would take pictures of the same thing but then we review what we took pictures of they were different pictures of the same thing like there it, it it's it would be interesting to yes, to, I think it would be very interesting to have everybody write with set of things and just to see where it goes. Even though they all start from the same place, even seem to be aiming at the different direction, I bet the journey will be would be entirely different. You know, that uh, that would be a lot of fun. Similar to the jams that you see, where there's a theme and everybody writes on it, but but I I don't know. I wonder who uh, who all I get on board with that uh, assuming that you are on board and i'm on board, uh, i could probably convince eric to get on board with something like that uh there's a few others who might and uh yeah it'd be interesting to to, to pitch a, a very specific thing an adventure idea or a, a five-room dungeon uh the theme is this and uh, these are the components it's got to have. Can I draw? Can I draw this stuff out of like a hat or something? That that would be awesome. Yeah. And it'd be a book of five room dungeons that would just be uh, all the same style of element or same same components, like 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 uh, like recipe for for cooking. You know, everybody's yeah. everybody's cornbread comes out different. You, yeah, you you've got to you've got to sell uh, uh, Levi on. Because if it if it comes from Planet X Games, he wins. Suggestion, Levi wins. Every, then everybody's going to be behind it. <laughs> well, I just realized, uh, and I'm not. I, yeah, he's. Yeah, he he would. I wouldn't even want to be. I, I don't know. I I feel intimidated being the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fact, writing adventures is definitely not my forte. Um. Writing nonsense is my forte. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I run games with uh I I have a I have an idea for where things start and I have an idea for some cool things that I'd like to have happen and then we just play and it evolves as we go. I don't usually work from a, a highly structured adventure. It's only been more recently that I've been been trying to follow uh, modules as written. Normally, I would pick them apart and take the parts that I, I want, but I've been trying to get better at following the module because I want to be able to write them, and I'm not good at it. 
I, I can write setting stuff. I can write lore stuff. I can write system stuff. I can do everything except for a structured adventure that actually makes sense. Maybe yes. I should try yeah. writing a structured adventure. Maybe that's something that I need to be doing. Yeah, maybe. I think if you're to if you're to do such a thing, I would recommend following the format of old school essentials. And I think if you can write to the format of old school essentials, which is very formulaic and very structured, I think you could definitely expand out of that and still write really good adventures too. Um, and add more that means I have really. to open up a book. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's uh yeah, plenty of opportunities out there, plenty of ideas, plenty of things to do. We've we've got so much uh so much to do, so little time. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. So I it, it's kind of funny because I will look at I will a lot of times write things I want to do for the, the upcoming year, but then when I look back, it's just like this didn't turn out like I thought. <laughs> So anyway, we'll see uh, how how 2023 goes. I'm I was hoping to get five Kickstarters. So um, and so I'm not sure that I, I'll be able to do it, but that's my goal. So I I have a similar goal. So we'll see how that works out. Yeah, well, I uh, I follow you on Kickstarter and on Twitter, so, so uh, I'll be watching. Okay. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, I I did back uh, Pain of the Fly God. Uh, I had intended on uh, uh, Gary's appendix, but uh, you know, like I mentioned on Twitter, I was juggling too many things, and you said, "Don't worry about it; it'll be available later." Back somebody else's project. Oh, so, yeah. So, so I went ahead and backed somebody else's project, <laughs> but I still uh, still intend to pick that up. But yeah, fan of the Fly God, I, I wasn't going to miss that one. I was. Uh, yeah, I and I really hope definitely up my alley. I'm I'm hoping. And you know maybe, yeah, it's it's weird. It's just I hope it's hope it's everything that people hope it is. I try not to to to. to <laughs> is strange. Well, Jeff, I I back and and own stuff from uh, uh, from Planet X Games and from Philip Reed. So uh, I'm I'm used to weird and strange and sometimes oh. rambling. Okay, and, and I yeah. like it. And if he doesn't like the weird and strange, I will probably like the weird and strange. Yeah, it's uh, and like I was as uh, I was talking to I was talking to the the gal that did the cartography because she said that was the weirdest map she's ever had to draw. Um, because it's Chloe. Yeah, Chloe. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's on my list of people that I want to work with at some point. I just need to figure out how to <laughs> write a decent adventure and then I'll. Yeah. It's, I'll tell you what, uh, she's not cheap, but she's definitely on time and meets schedules. I mean, it is, is very professional. Like there is no, there's no concern there. So. Um, she's incredibly <laughs> versatile at the kinds of maps she can draw. Oh yes. Oh Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it is no. She's she's definitely very good. And I if you can find that if you can find that um, that cyberpunk map that she was doing. It was insane. It was insane. But I didn't realize that she was actually doing it for a client. She was pretty cagey about it at the time. So, uh, hmm. um, but now now the cat's out the bag. So we should talk about it. So, but uh, anyway, 
Well, I think we're hitting the the time space continuum. Um, it was is great having you two on. Well, thanks for inviting us. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, I'll tell you what. A lot of largely is uh, is it was, it's very apparent from the stuff on Twitter that you two have a really good relationship, and uh, I just thought you know what it's 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 really nice to see those types of things and uh, that's visible, and the husband and wife working together for in the hobby doing something you know uh in the the not you know in the something very personal i thought it just really was kind of a neat thing and i thought you know i just need to have you two on and and kind of discuss that so anyway i just want to say i appreciate it all all the, the positive things that are said uh via twitter well thanks i i appreciate all of your support and uplifting when i'm you know having a freak out yeah, I don't know. The problem I have sometimes is, you know, I don't want to, I'm, I'm more apparent, uh, more aware now of, I don't want to be like that guy too. So I, I try and make sure how I try and meter out what I say or do is not coming across as some middle-aged white man mansplaining the things to people or being insensitive or, or things like that. So I try and everything to be very positive and that's always my intent and and be supportive when I see people who are trying to do great things, uh, feeling down. Yeah, I, it, it's really appreciated. It does help me gain some perspective. I do appreciate you. Well, good. Well, good. So anyway, we'll we'll end this with mutual appreciation and, uh, and I'll have you two back on sometime in, in the future. Oh, most definitely. Thanks a lot, Jeff.